0: To do it. Um, not so much nervous about the public speaking part, um, I guess that really doesn't bother me as much, but maybe that's it a little bit, but you know, <clears throat> handling God's word and uh, talking about God's word, because I don't want to make a mistake or say something wrong or do something you know, out of line with the doctrines in the Bible. And um, it brings, brings to mind a story, because so Pastor Sha lets me speak up here, so if I make a mistake or say something wrong, there's going to be a judgment for me on that. But I, I believe there will also be a judgment on him because he's allowed me behind the pulpit. So I'm going to be careful of that. It reminds me of a story... And I just thought of it sitting in the, sitting in the pew. But um, in Virginia, I've been taking classes at night and, in um, Cornerstone Bible College. And there's an instructor there, Dr. Kendall Smith. He's a pastor of a local church. He is just a great man of God. He's faithful. He's, you know, everything he does is from the heart. He truly loves everybody, and it's clear in his preaching and in his teaching. And in a lot of ways, he reminds me of Pastor Schott. And they're about the same age and about the same physical build, and really in almost many, many ways, almost every way, he reminds me of him. And so maybe that's why I kind of endeared myself to him. But he told us a story early on. And I don't think I'm speaking out of school because he told the story to everybody. So... It's not like it was a private conversation. But um, when he was a young pastor or a young preacher, I believe he was at a mission conference, and he was preaching all week. And to use Pastor Schott's allegory of the baseball, the baseball analogies, he hit a couple home runs. And so everybody, as is the custom, you know, they come up after it. Hey, great message, great message. And being a young preacher, he admitted that. He got a little puffed up about it. And he, start, he went on the one, like one of the final days, and he had that feeling like, that's right, here I am, you know, and came up to the pulpit. And when they introduced him, he walked forward, and he went to give the message, and he said, God just took the words completely from my mouth. And not only the words that he had prepared to speak, but all words. He said, I could not even form a coherent sentence and he stood there for what he said felt like an eternity, but it was probably 30 seconds or a minute. And the pastor came up and just tapped him on the shoulder. And, you know, they kind of made light of it. And he said it was the most humiliating experience in his life. And he, he, he walked off stage, and somebody else had to preach. And um, I started thinking about that. And I'm like, man, that could happen to me, right? Because, number one, what do I know? I'm a knucklehead. So... But then I started to think about it, right? So if I'm going to say something that's wrong, then I want God to shut me up. Because you know what? First of all, everybody here, this is an intimate crowd. I love you all. And if I'm going to fall on my face, I'd, r- I'd rather do it here in front of people that I know and love and save myself that judgment and save Pastor shot that judgment as well. So... I think that, in a way, that could be a blessing if that happened. It might be a blessing to y'all, too, because then we could just sing another song and go home. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, seriously, though, um, I don't take it lightly, and, and it, it means a lot to me to be up here and to try to do a good job. And so thank you all for, for listening to me. Uh, I'm going to go to the Lord and for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father... I just thank you for allowing me to be here tonight with these people, my family, Lord, that I love. Thank you so much for each and every one of them. Made it important to be out here this evening. Lord, I know it's cold and it's windy. They could've stayed home, but they came here, Lord, that we can honor and glorify you together. I thank you for that, Father. I pray that you would allow me to say what is right And stop me from saying what is not right. Lord, I just ask the Holy Spirit to take control of my words and to speak. And for everything I say and do to honor and glorify you, Lord. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm going to apologize in advance because we're kind of scattered around a little. But I'm going to start off in Genesis And uh, I don't have a title for the message, but it's, uh, we're going to start in Genesis. I'm going to read the entire chapter one. Then we're going to go to Isaiah. So we'll go back and forth a little bit. But um, Genesis one, I'm going to start in verse one. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gatherings together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb-yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb-yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser night to rule the lesser light to rule the night he made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day, and God said, "Let the waters bring forth abundantly." The moving, the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters and the seas, And let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for me. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every, er- every green herb for meat and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. <clears throat> so here we see the, creation, the story of creation, right? So God took six days to create the earth. So six days is 144 hours. Why did God take 144 hours to create the earth? Do do we believe, I, I believe, God could have created the entire universe with the snap of a finger or the blink of an eye? He could have just as quickly as it took him to think of it, he could have created it. Why then did he take 144 hours? Why, why did he take six days to create the universe? And so I think that the reason he did that, at least one reason, was to show mankind a blueprint for, for us, a blueprint for mankind. Because what did it take in God's mind to picture the universe it took a vision. It took a vision. And so in that vision, he focused, he had focused to carry out that vision. And he specifically set aside time for each stage. And in the end, was a period of rest. So we go over to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter forty. Chapter 40, I'm going to read for now, I'm going to read one verse. Chapter 28, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. So I think the lesson in that verse is God never gets tired, right? God never gets tired. Why did he take a day to rest after he created the universe? And if in fact he could have created it with the snap of his fingers, did it even really tire him out? God doesn't get tired. So, going between these two chapters, I started thinking about that. Again, we look at the look at it as a blueprint for mankind. God's vision, God focusing on his vision. He's trying to show us that in our work, in our focus to work and carry out our vision, and and that could be in life, in ministry, could be just for our own Christian growth, right? There's gonna, there has to, it has to start with a vision. And then that vision, we have to have focus. We have to focus on that vision. And then we have to work to carry out the vision. And I think that's why he took that time and broke that down. And in that, and it ends with that, and that's, most, that's a very important component, is that time of rest. So I'm going to read a few more verses in Isaiah. I'm going to start in 29. I'm going to read through 31. Isaiah forty, twenty nine through thirty-one. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings of eagles, they shall run and be not weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So we see, the, we see the three, we see degrees of power, degrees of strength. Again, God doesn't ever get weary, but not only doesn't God get weary in himself, he has enough strength to resupply everyone. He has enough strength, not only for himself never to get tired or weary, but to replenish our strength when we, in our human form, do get weary. And, and again, that could be in life, in ministry, in our Christian growth, spiritual warfare, right? So I think that's important to look at. If we, I wanna, you don't have to turn with me because I'm just going to read a couple verses. And I'm going to go over to 1 uh, John Chapter 2, and I'm going to read verse 12 through 14. I write unto you, little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. So, in preparing for this message, I listened to a commentary, and they reference that First John, chapter two. It's it's a progression of Christian growth. They liken that to our Christian walk, right? They talk about young men, you know, little ones, little ones, young men, fathers. So when we start out, we get saved, we are young men, we are babes. We're babes in Christ. And so that's what they're talking about when they say little ones. And so as we grow, you know, in in human terms, as we grow, we, we walk first, and then we run. We, we have to learn to walk before we can learn to run. But in our, in our Christian life, in our Christian growth, we run first, and, and then we walk. Because when we first get saved, there's a zealousness. And so I, I know this is true for me. I, I think it, it could be true for many people. We have that... It's like we got this awesome gift from God and like we're saved, right? Our eyes are opened. For me, I got saved later in life so I looked back at my life and it was like, wow, what a waste. But then that zealousness, it's like energy being shot out of a cannon. It just shoots out with great force but then where, you know, it's like those confetti cannons the clowns have, right? Shoots out with great force but where does it go? It's just like, Doesn't go anywhere, just goes out 10 feet and scatters down on the ground. And so then as we maybe mature a little bit or as I maybe matured a very little bit, then I start to look where I'm going, look at like the end and that's where the vision comes in, right, the vision and the focus. But really in that stage I didn't have a lot of focus Maybe didn't even really have a lot of vision, but I thought I did, right? So I'm looking where I'm going, and I'm running. Got to tell everybody. You know, got to, got to do everything I can in the time I got left. I got this awesome gift. I got to share it with everybody. And I'm running, and I'm running. But when you're confronted, when I was confronted with questions or with challenges, I didn't have the knowledge or the experience to defend my positions. And in a lot of ways, you know, maybe never will completely have all that knowledge. Like we just, we're always, always trying to learn and trying to grow. But as we get older, as we get more mature in the faith, I'm looking at Jim and I sit in his Sunday school class and listen to his devotions and the men's prayer. And I'm so thankful for him because he's that mature Christian. He's walking. Because walking, you know, walking with the Lord requires, it requires a purpose. So we walk, we stop, we read, we study, we communicate with God. Then we walk a little further. When you're running, you, you're here, there's the goal. And you run. And and you don't there's nothing in the peripheral a lot of times. But when you reach that level of maturity, I think of Pastor Schott too. And he's not here tonight, so I could talk about him because he doesn't like when we, we tell everybody how awesome he is. But the truth is he he is pretty awesome. And I, I think of him when I think of that mature Christian too. Because communication with God. Right? Growth requires communication with God. Communication is a two way street. When we communicate, we have to speak, but then we have to listen. When it's easy to speak to God, we can get down on our knees and pray. That's how we speak to God. Is it as easy to listen to Him? I find it difficult sometimes to really know His will, but I think. That's, again, where the, when they say fathers, they're talking about the mature Christian. They're talking about, you know, run and then walk. Because that's the mature stage of Christianity. You can learn to walk. I hope I can get there someday. But when we do, when we can achieve that, then we have the ability to listen, to really stand and listen to God. And he speaks through his word. And so take a few steps, stop, sit down, look around, read our Bible, pray, sit in the quiet and listen to what God has for us. And maybe we'll find that, no, we're not doing that. Maybe he wants us to come over here, park there for a while, do something there. And then at another time, go in a different direction. Because when we run, we're going in one direction, we're we got our eye on what we think is the target, I think what happens is that's our target. That's not God's target. Because I don't think God's target's ever really straight ahead. It's always going to be wherever he wants it to be. And so we have to kind of be open to that, right? We have to be, like, perceptive to that. So it's it's let God speak, study, learn, listen. And uh, it's important. You know, that vision... Pastor Schott talked about it on Tuesday night, New Year's Eve, because, as you all know, the focus for the church, or the, the theme for the church this year, is sharpening our focus. But what, what do we focus on if we don't have a vision? And so, Pastor Schott, he mentioned a few things. He mentioned Sunday school. And maybe rebranding it and changing the name, you know, Connect Groups or whatever, because the word school has a negative connotation. So it's really just in the mechanics, but that's part of a vision. It's it's to bring people in, so so that we could share the word of God with them, so that we could help them grow. That's that's what his ministry is about. He talked about the music ministry. And, you know, our need for an assistant pastor, someone that can do music, you know, Daniel's visiting, but he's going back, but man, what a blessing, you know, and, and, and Eric, I mean, stepping up and filling in to lead the music. Listen, I know I can never do that, right? Anybody who's heard me sing knows one thing, they don't want to hear me sing. So you guys laugh about Pastor Shaw. I, I was joking with him last week. I said I waited my whole life to meet someone who had the same amount of musical talent as I do. And so now I have, you know. But it, so when we, we need to appreciate that. We need to appreciate somebody had the vision to ask Eric to lead the music why we don't have anybody to lead the, You know, when we have musical superstars in the church, it's easy. It's easy to do the music, right? But when we have somebody like Eric who has a little bit of talent for it, but maybe not superstar level, but for him to come up here and do it and to be here and to work a full-time job and do everything he's doing and still come here and do that, for Daniel to come and do that, that's not always so easy. Miss Sherry plays the piano. Like Pastor said, we have one piano player. She's never missed a service since she started doing it. That that takes a focus on her part. It's a focus on the vision that God has for this church and a focus on the vision that Pastor Schott has for this, this church, this ministry. This is God's church, but it's our church. We are the church. The church isn't the building. The church is people. You know, I made the analogy, and I maybe got to work on finding a better analogy, but the hand that grabs the hammer, now, I had an a opportunity to visit Eric. He's a bladesmith and a blacksmith, and he's pounding on that metal, and he turned a piece of steel into a beautiful knife blade right before my eyes. And so you really appreciate it when he lets you hold the hammer and pound the metal because he makes it look easy. But when you do it, it ain't easy. It isn't easy. It's easy to do it, but it's not easy if you want it to come out looking like anything. So if this hand could grab a hammer, five fingers, a palm with a muscle in it, I could take that hammer and I could turn concrete into dust. I could turn big rocks into little rocks. Maybe with a little bit of skill and some help, I could even build a church building. But what happens if one finger is missing? I could probably still do it, but it, it wouldn't be as easy. I wouldn't swing with as much force. What if two fingers were missing? Well, you start dropping fingers off. What, where what point do you get to when you can't even grab the hammer anymore? That's the church. That's us. That's a body of believers, right? That's Sherry playing the piano. That's Eric leading the music. That's Pastor preaching. That's Paul supporting him up here in in a backup role doing the announcements. It's Tim driving the van. It's Kevin running the Watchman team. It's Adam being the head usher. It's the ladies and the people that clean that we don't even know who they are, right? Because... I've been fortunate because I kind of had a little peek behind the curtain, so to speak, because I've been staying here. And, you know, some days you'll come down, there'll be a big mess, and then you'll go out somewhere for the day and you'll come back and everything's cleaned up and you never saw anybody and you never know who came and who did it, but yet it's done, right? Because those are the fingers of the hand grabbing the hammer. If we start losing that, then the hammer's not going to be able to swing. And, and the, the blacksmith and bladesmith analogy you know, Alicia tried her hand at it too. She did awesome. And he let me try my hand at it. And you know what? And, I, and I'm a pretty big guy, but I can't swing that hammer with the efficiency that Eric does because he does it all the time. So there's a, there's a focus. Pastor saying for our vision, for his vision for this church, sharpen your focus. That's, that's what that means to me is everybody can do something Everybody can do something, right? And it's very important that we do that. And it's very important that we, we take our part in that vision. Pastor Shah has been, you know, I'm going to take a stab at it, but I don't know for sure, 33, 34 years, something like that. I know, and it's the same thing with swinging the hammer at the forge. Gives you an appreciation for what Eric does to make the knife. Well, I prepared for one message, it gives me appreciation of what pastor does three times a week for 34 years. boggles my mind to think about it. Like nobody could just say, "I'm going to be a preacher and deliver a message every week, three times a week for 34 years." You have to be called to do that by God. Because if anybody tries to do that, well, I'll speak for myself only. If I tried to do that in my own power. I know I couldn't do it. I struggled, and this is a mediocre message probably at best. I, I struggled to do it. I couldn't imagine having to go back tomorrow and work on something for Sunday and then Sunday night and then do it again next week and the next week and every week for 34 years. It boggles my mind. A pastor shop has been here in this ministry. He's been focused on the vision that he had when he came to this area and really I believe he's focused on God's vision because he, he walks. He lets God renew his strength. He wants that will of God in his life. So the vision that he has is not Pastor Schott's vision. It's God's vision for us, for this church. His is a ministry of love. Who, who doesn't he love? If anybody that knows him knows he loves everybody. It's a ministry of compassion. It's compassion for everybody. People that have everything and people that have nothing. And 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 I don't want to go too long, but I, got, I want to tell you another story. Quick story. When I first started coming here, I first got saved. It was a very low point in my life. And I ended up living in Pastor Schott's basement for a little while. And so I had the privilege and the opportunity to kind of hang out a little with him. And one Sunday night after service, it was pouring, pouring rain, comes to me and he says, what are you doing tonight? I says, oh, I don't know, going home, watching Gilligan's Island, I guess, whatever. Well, let's go for a ride. Oh, okay, we're going for a ride. I figure it's past shot. We're probably going to Burger King or something. Well, we went to Pennsylvania. <laughs> we got back at 4.30 in the morning, but we went to pick up. And maybe some of you might know, and I can mention his name, it doesn't matter. We went to pick up a young man who used to attend church here years and years ago. I never met him. I didn't know him. I'd been coming. He hadn't been here in that time. And he was going to school, I believe it was in Tennessee or Alabama, and his father died in a terrible car crash. And he was on his way back, and his car had catastrophic failure and the mechanic told him, basically, you know, put it out of its misery. It's done. And he's a college student. He has no money. He's in somewhere in Pennsylvania. I don't know. even know where it was. And what's he going to do? His dad's funeral is the day after tomorrow. He doesn't have any money. He doesn't have a car. He's in Pennsylvania. He calls his mother. Of course, his mother had things to deal with. She reaches out to Pastor shot. Without hesitation, he tells her, yep, we'll go get him. Now, Why was he doing that? It's a ministry of love, a ministry of compassion. It wasn't because this guy was an heir to the Rockefeller fortune and maybe he was going to entice him in to drop the big check in the the plate. It certainly wasn't for that. He knew that this guy was gone and he was never going to attend this church. He was coming back for the funeral and he was leaving and he was most likely never coming back. And that's exactly what happened. But he went and he got him anyway. He drove eight hours on a Sunday night, four hours there and four hours back in the pouring rain, brought this guy home. That's who Pastor Shot is. And so it's a, it's, his is a ministry of compassion. It's a ministry of love. And it's a ministry of truth. Right? Because he's not afraid to speak the truth. And he mentioned it too. And he can preach on salvation. Who doesn't want to hear how awesome heaven is and that we're going there when we die if we trust Christ as our Savior? But before you get there, you've got to tell people you're on your way to hell to make people realize you can't be saved unless you realize first that you're lost. And that's maybe not the easiest thing to preach. And like he said with those two gentlemen, those two homosexual gentlemen and he's preaching from the Bible, and they got offended and they walked out. That had to be hard for him, because he doesn't, I know in his heart, he doesn't want to hurt everybody. And he, he said to them, I love you, and I'd like to talk to you about it. And I believe from the bottom of my heart, he was completely sincere about that. And that's what we are to do to people that live in sin. Whatever it is, we are to love them. We're to share the Bible with them, but we're to love them. We're not the Holy Spirit. The Trinity works in complete unity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are not jealous of one another. They each have their position in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit points people to Christ. He's not jealous of Christ. There's a symbiosis there. They work together in complete harmony and complete unity. Same thing for us. We meet somebody at work that's living one of these alternative lifestyles or living in some kind of sin. We're not to celebrate it or to condone it, but it's not really up for us to condemn it either. The Word of God will condemn it. We can stand on that. Our job is to love them. If they're going to get convicted... The Holy Spirit is the only force that will convict. Tim Butler is not going to convict anybody of anything, and neither is anybody else. Pastor Schott has a ministry of truth, and it's the truth that saves, and it's also the truth that convicts. Because if we're open to it, if we're open to the truth, it did save us, and it also convicts us. So, you know, in that ministry of truth, in Acts twenty twenty seven, Pastor read it Sunday, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the gospel, all the counsel of God. And, and that's, that's the important part, right? The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We don't leave out the pieces that we think are going to offend somebody. And then at the same time, we shouldn't purposely just use those verses to try to convict somebody because that's not our job. But but it's a ministry of truth. Where do we fit in? Where do we all fit in? Where do I fit in? Right? A lot of ways, well technically, I'm just a visitor here. I'm not on the membership rolls and I said that Saturday and Paul was gracious gracious enough to say to me that He considers me to be family and that I do fit in. And I appreciate that. That means a lot to me because I am just a member here, really. I mean, I am just a visitor here, really. But in many ways, in every way that counts, in every way that means anything, I've never felt more at home anywhere than I do here. And so I appreciate each and every one of you. And I appreciate Paul for saying that and Tim for the things that he said. And, you know, it means so much to me. And I know it does Linda, too as I said in the beginning, to be here and to be part of this, this body of believers. And Pastor Sha has this ministry that he's dedicated his life to. He's faithful. He's dedicated his life to God. Go back to those, that chapter in Genesis. It's a time for rest. It's a time for rest for Pastor because of everything he's going through, not only physically, but spiritually, how do how do we how do we do that? How do we be in a ministry for thirty-four years? And you know, vacation aside, right, because when they talk about in Isaiah time of rest to be renewed, your your strength to be renewed, they're not talking about vacation. Anybody that goes on vacation with kids or grandkids probably knows it 's really not a time of rest, and in a lot of ways they can 't wait to get back to go to work to get that rest. but this time of rest for pastor needs to be a time to walk, a time to read, time to pray, time to talk to God, and a time to let God talk to him and and This church, this body of believers, I I have to be careful because I am just a visitor, so I I don't want to overstep. We do, do very well providing for pastor. But we see that down south because this would probably be a good time for Dustin to kill the audio on the... This is just for us. This isn't for the world on the Internet. But Linda and I see that... We need to look at that because I think in this time, everything he's going through, he needs a time of rest. And as it says here, for the Lord to re-strengthen him, to give him strength. And let him walk, let him pray, let him listen to God, let him serve God as he always has done and he always will do. Our job is to be in one accord, it's to focus. I, I, I know I went long, I had another section here. I'm just going to do it very quickly. Exodus chapter 18, jo- uh, verse 10, Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. And Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and they put it under him, and they, he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the one on the other. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So spiritual warfare, that, that's, in my mind, that's what that is. Because Amalek is a descendant of Esau. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Esau was in his mother's house. Who's ever in danger of starving? Certainly not me. If I ever was, I guarantee you it wasn't when I was in my mother's house. Now, Amalek is a descendant of Esau who sold his birthright. That's fleshly. Esau is a picture of the fleshly nature of man. And God's people, the Israelites, are the picture of a spiritual nature of man. And this battle here, the Israelites were in bondage their whole life, right? Just like I was before I got saved. But you know what? In a way, bondage is easy because you know where your meals are coming from. You can pretty much do whatever you want. When I was unsaved, was I concerned about how I lived or what I did? I was concerned with certain things. Nothing, nothing good, nothing spiritual. When the Israelites were in bondage, they were slaves. They had to work all day. They had a warm place to sleep at night. They had meals on the table. They were taken care of. But yeah, they were slaves. When they, when they went out, they were free. And now the work begins. And that, that battle that they're referencing here is, is spirit, to me, that's spiritual warfare. And when Moses lifted up his hands to God, they prevailed. When he put them down, they didn't. And so the people that supported his ministry came in behind him. They slid a rock under his legs for him to sit in. They held up his arms. That's what Sherry does when she plays the piano. That's what Eric does when he leads the music. That's what Adam does when he ushers. That's what the people that clean do, ladies that clean when they clean the building. Anne, I know, is among them. That's, that's what Daniel does when he visits. That's what Paul does. That's what Kevin does. There's so many people, the Sunday school teachers, I can't even list them all. Those are the people that come up and hold pastor's arms up because in the spiritual battle, we know one thing, right? Like Sun Tzu had a whole philosophy on war, right? The Art of War, I think was what he called his book. And in there, you know, he outlines strength in numbers, right? Nobody's fighting any battle by themselves, and a spiritual battles is no different. And so, Pastor has that his ministry. He's, got, he's focused on the vision that God's given him for this church, this body of believers. And, and again, it's a ministry of love. It's a ministry of compassion. And it's a ministry of truth. And every single person sitting here has the ability to come up and hold his arms up. And, and many, of, many of you do. And, and just want you know thank you for that and that's all I have thank you for listening to me tonight